Mr. Robot Season 1, Episode 6, Brave Traveler is over and has been for a while, but we're just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. Robot Road continues. We are over halfway through our rewatch of Mr. Robot Season 1 here on Post Show Recaps. I am Josh Wiggler, and here is the man who is going to dictate everything about this episode with me, Antonio Mazzaro. Oh, Josh, you're really setting me up there. Uh, but how take, are you? Don't take the don't take the bait. I won't dictate the bait. Uh, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Anton? I'm I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I would like to hug you at the end of this podcast, Josh. You know, I am such a hugger, and yet I hate Fernando Vera. And I think probably the big reason is because he talks about hugging Elliot so much, and then he refuses to do it. Yeah, he talks a big game, doesn't he? Talks big a hug big game. Big hug game. And there's not a big hug at the end of the game, and that bothers me. It upsets me. Yeah, well, that would have been a kind of an awkward place for a hug, but you know, uh, the other things went down in that place, so you would have, you, you would have think that they could have snuck a hug in there. I feel like you could have snuck a hug in there. Maybe, Maybe just a little hug. Just a tiny hug, and it would have just yeah. like calmed things down just a little bit. But oh, man, yeah. we are we are talking jokes, we are being light, we are, you know, lots of levity here at the start of this podcast because man. Otherwise, we're just going to be deeply depressed. Because yeah, this is rough. We need the LOL. We need the lots of levity. We need the rafflecopter. This is, yes. a, this is a, a tough episode of Mr. Robot. Lots going on here, very much especially at the end. Very, very difficult stuff. Uh, we are, as always, if this is your first time joining us, our Mr. Robot co- podcast, we talk in a spoiler-free sense first. Then we talk about spoiler-filled stuff. But in the spoiler-free section of this episode of Brave Traveler, we can talk about one of the things that we have been talking about in the spoiler-filled sections, which is, and if you have not seen Brave Traveler yet, this is your final warning to step out of this podcast. What are you doing listening to this podcast You've if you haven't seen it yet? You've come too far, but here it comes. Here's the bombshell. This is the one where Shayla dies. Yes, uh, what? that's like a Friends episode. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Again, here we are. Um, so it sucks. It sucks. It's so unfortunate, and it really is. Uh, we were talking about this in the spoiler-filled section of the most recent episode, where this is you know a real turning point moment where i certainly vividly remember texting you antonio who had already seen all of mr robot while i was watching it for my first time like holy crap they killed shayla and i do think that that's the reaction most people have when they get to this episode yeah like i said uh wasn't just you that texted me that there are others that have that i've said watch the show and then when we get to this episode oh my god shayla died because it's it's just the way it's shot and the way the whole thing plays out. There is a sense of dread in this episode, but you, I think there's a voice in your head the first time you're watching, like, they're not going to do they're, They didn't kill Shayla. Like, this is all going to work out. This will be fine. And even when he opens the trunk, you, you kind of see her leg and you're, it just takes so long for the reveal and that music. And it's really, really rough. So it definitely elicits that response for sure. It's brutal. It's very tough. Um, this is a tough one to watch. You know, your first watch of this episode is going to be different from every other watch of the episode that you ever do. Because as soon as you finish this episode and you ever decide to go back and rewatch Brave Traveler, you're never going to be in that car with Elliot and not think about the fact that Shayla's in that car as well. Yeah, and there are a lot of notes uh, on that front. You see the camera lingering on the bumper at one time, uh, especially when Elliot says, where's Shayla? And their focus is right there on the trunk. Uh, and that's near the beginning of the episode after she disappears for the first time. So that's all really rough. Uh, and it just it continues throughout. The 
knowing where Shayla is the whole time makes it really brutal. Every time you see that car, every time Elliot's talking about some decision that makes them both live, the zero-sum game math, all of that, uh, it's really rough when you know already that Shayla is toast. This has been a show with some violence already as well. Um, you know, it's not like it's been a completely violence-free episode or, or series, rather, up until this point. But this is, for my money, unless you could think of something else, does anyone die until this point? Does anyone get killed up until this point? No, not that I know of. I yeah. mean, there's some there's I mean, some really lives are ruined, but no, not that I know lives of anybody are getting ruined. killed. There's you know Tyrell Wella kicking the crap out of the homeless man. Like there's definitely you know Mr. Robot pushing Elliot over the rail. So there's been violence on the show, but this is you know you're seeing you know Fernando Vera's brother is going to get shot in the head, and then yeah. Shayla is in the trunk. So I think that this is a real turning point for Mr. Robot, not in terms of tipping anything that's going to be coming up in the future or anything like that, but just we had not really... It, it had been a bloodless affair up until now, and now blood has been spilled, and so it's gotten very, very real as of this episode. Yeah, and I mean, it's not a spoiler. There will be blood again this season. I'll just say it. Uh, and you, you, it's up to you guys to kind of speculate where it might come from. Might be more than one incident, but this is definitely a, cor- a corner turner for yeah. sure. This doesn't become the most violent show on television by any stretch, but I definitely think that this episode, and, and it makes sense, right? Because this is episode six, so you've crossed the midway point, uh, and I definitely think this episode is there to up the stakes. And we'll talk about a lot of the rest of the things about this episode, because I know you have some very, uh, very interesting thoughts about what whether this episode belongs in the course of the season, uh, what purposes it serves, all of it. But I do think the change in tone uh, is a big purpose that this serves. Uh, the stakes are certainly raised by this episode. Yeah, I mean, just to be upfront about it, you know, it's a little, the, the death of Shayla, I'm sure, is going to reverberate with a lot of people who are familiar with the trope of fridging, uh, women in fridges. This is, a, this is a thing that happens in fiction sometimes where the love interest is killed off to fuel the male lead's, you know, journey. Um, and where does the death of Shayla fit with that trope? Is it too tropey? Does it have value for where the show is moving forward from here? Um, I have questions about that. It hasn't always set, sat fantastically with me. Um, so we'll talk all that stuff through as well. But I think that there's just some, there's just so much in this episode that we really just got to start digging into from the very beginning. Yeah, I'm ready. Let's all right, do it. So, so let's hop into it. And we start with uh, with a great Elliot voiceover. Uh, we, you know, there's always a lot of buildup to the credits. This time we're just getting in the credits. And it's just like some very strange painting on the wall at this Mexican restaurant that we're going to see that they are at. And it is, uh, you know, it's it's a very jarring way to begin the episode. Yeah, it, it really is just kind of, uh, I mean, we talk a ton about all of these these beginnings and title cards and everything, but this is a gorgeous painting, uh, beautiful music, and it's really weird uh, as we get into the kind of conversation that happens in the background uh, or in the foreground once that painting moves into the background. Yeah. Um, what's the music that's playing here? It's a song, song called Some Velvet Morning. It's a Nancy Sinatra and Lee Hazelwood joint, Josh. Uh, and it's really, I think, there for the strings, the, the sweeping and kind of swell strings has been a sort of a hallmark of Mr. Robot, uh, having those kind of uh, key signatures or those moments in uh, music that are put into the show. So they find a good way, I think, to, pull, to play the beginning of this song out and have it kind of go under the conversation that occurs after that. Yeah, so we see Elliot and Shayla. It's like, well, what happened to Shayla? Well, it turns out Shayla was taken to a restaurant. She's not very hungry. She doesn't really want to eat. No. Uh, she's, you know, very clearly not doing great 
And what's really brutally upsetting about this scene is this is the last time that we see, you know, Shayla alive and well. And she's just in distress uh, with her current situation, of course, but also very upset with Elliot because she had asked Elliot before, like, did you do something to Vera? And he's like, no, no, I didn't. And now it's very clear that he did. And she's like, yeah. you promised me. You promised me. And he's talking about how I'm going to get you out of here. I'm going to get you out of here. And clearly he's not going to be able to pull it off. By the way, if he had told her yes, she probably would have done something. Like go into hiding or change the way that she lives so that this very thing couldn't happen. So the mere fact that he lied to her he, it may well be the reason that she's in the situation she's in. Yeah, I think it's very clearly a huge part of why she's in the yeah. situation she's in. I mean, there's no guarantee she would have uprooted. I'm not sure she had right. the necessary means to do that. She's already living in a rough neighborhood. Uh, she had just started a new job. It's hard to say whether she would have been able or willing to uproot, but she certainly would have been capable of making those choices and would have been on guard at the very least. So, at the very least. Yeah, this is this is rough, and I mean that that that's that impacts Elliot more than Shayla, obviously, as we go forward, since Shayla is no more by the end of this episode. Uh, but that is a very clear thing that's happened: is that Elliot's lie has definitely put her in the crosshairs as much as Elliot's action that created the crosshairs. Right, absolutely. So we, you know, they're having their conversation. Elliot's like, "I'll get us out of this. I'll get us out of this," and. You know, it's a fairly peaceful scene up until then, if, you know, kind of tense and uncomfortable. But at least there's no, you know, aggressive action being taken place. And then, you know, these two guys just like rip her from her seat and pull Elliot up and nobody in the restaurant bats an eye. Yeah, uh, and that, that's that's uh, a lot of a lot of discussion and debate about that. I think when this episode first aired, like why did nobody bat an eye, and was it meant that this is just kind of a rough place, and is it a comment on New York, or was this supposed to be a place where Vera maybe had a lot of interest or finance involved? That was and my. Maybe this was own? That's mine as well. Yeah. yeah. So this is just kind of a, a not a great place to be if you're at odds with Vera's group because this is something where his group has a lot of influence. Right. Okay. So Shayla is taken away we will never see you alive again goodbye shayla yeah goodbye r.i.p shayla you want to eulogize shayla uh, no, we no. can do that later we can do that later we can do that later uh but shayla is taken away we will find out that she is probably i mean when do you think shayla's killed is shayla killed like five seconds later yes what? yeah pretty much right away i believe that uh i believe she's dead before the the phone call with vera is over oh my god that's horrible yep, yep. Absolutely yeah. brutal. Uh, so Elliot, he is put on the phone with Vera, and Vera starts in on Elliot, sort of, you know, getting back into all of this weird Fernando Varian philosophical nonsense bull that he talks about, you know, the meanings of names. I looked up your name, Elliot. Brave and true. Uh, mine means brave traveler. So they're kind of similar. Is that what he's trying to get at? Here? Yeah, there's bravery involved in both of them. And then he just starts kind of monologuing a little bit about bravery. Uh, and he talks about how there were brave, lawful savages and there were savage travelers. And those savage travelers became brave travelers. And then he wants to talk about are we savages? And he wants to talk about sapping Elliot's power. Uh, and then we get to the, the meat of it all. Vera is asking Elliot to break him out of prison and not just break him out of prison, but to do so immediately. Because Vera feels that he is in immediate danger uh, and that he needs Elliot to break him out that day. Otherwise, bad things are going to happen to Vera. And that's really where the, the crux of this episode is born right from this kind of first interaction with Vera on the phone here. That's what has to happen over the course of the rest of this episode. Uh, and Vera introduces it right away. 
brave traveler, savage traveler, all of these different things, and you need to get me out of jail tonight, Elliot. Get me out of here tonight. And I love yeah. you. And P.S. I love you, bro. P.S. I love you, bro. Shayla, she cool, bro. Uh, cool, maybe, is not good there. <laughs> well, like, she's already cold. Yeah, she's uh, not even cold quite yet, probably. Yeah, probably not. She'll be there tonight, too. He says that it seems like the plan is already in motion. That is, uh, I think, what I, what I take from him saying these things. Like, that's already happening. One big happy happy is what he's talking about. Uh, and then as we kind of leave, as we're walking out of the restaurant, a- Elliot's asking where's Shayla, and the camera focuses on the trunk. That's uh, why I think she's already dead at this point. Yeah, you got to imagine she's already dead at this point. Yeah, I, mean, I think it just happened right away. Because where, you know, how else are, you know, what else are they going to do with, with Shayla? body like how are they going to get Shayla's body to that car to that trunk unless it just happened right then and there yeah yep so that's really it's really bad uh, nothing really Elliot could have done in this moment. Uh, certainly his actions, as we talked about before this moment, probably led us to this point. But nothing he could have done at that restaurant, I don't think, to stop what happened from happening. Yeah. All right. So we go back to Elliot's apartment, and Elliot is going to have to get to work on figuring out a way to break Fernando Vera out of prison. Yeah, he's got to work on that dictate. <laughs> sure does. He sure does. He, he sure really does. does. He sure yep. does. Yeah, and this is Elliot right away. I think doing some great things. He's uh, he's basically he doesn't something doesn't sit right. Elliot even uses the word bugs, uh, which we've already talked about bugs on the the road to uh, Mr. Robot here, the Robot Road uh, episode three was debug, and so there is a bug here in the room, and it's Elliot or it's Avera's brother Isaac. Elliot immediately hacks his phone, which I think is great. Uh, he uses Bluetooth and uh, an actual program there to identify the phone being open, and gets in there and hacks it right away. So. So Elliot is already kind of looking for contingencies, finding ways around this. He's expressed in voiceover already that this is kind of impossible to do without extensive research. Uh, the first voiceover, as we kind of hit on, was his fight or flight voiceover. Uh, and he's talking about flight, and then he wanted to do that. He's anxiety, he's terror, he's panic. But now he seems to be closer into fight mode. He really is kind of surviving and doing things like hacking the phone right away of Isaac and trying to figure out, you know, what's the next move here and he's getting into that he's you know he's fighting he's doing what he can and it's going to be a constant test of that throughout the episode for elliot uh and you know not not much to be done here but at least you know the it's starting the bug is starting to crawl into his ear so to speak jennifer style uh about isaac and to start looking at maybe there is something more here than i'm putting together at first glance maybe there's something really that i need to be looking at here with isaac and his relationship to fernando Yeah, and I think the fight or flight thing is important because I think other characters in this episode are faced with these decisions. Uh, Angela is right here in the next scene, and she's kind of in a fight or flight thing. Do I run away from the Terry Colby? Do I run away from the Challenge Beast? Do I run away from all these things that are are revealed and that have a personal impact to me? And do I just focus on work, or am I going to leave work behind and am I going to fight this thing? And that seems to be a very tough decision that she's faced with early on in this episode. We see her work piling up, people throwing things on her desk. She's calling around to attorneys and she just up and leaves the office. She leaves work behind. So she seems to be making a decision to fight. And we're going to see more of that as the episode progresses. Yeah. I mean, we see it basically immediately. Right. Um, you right. know, she goes, you know, she's been calling all these people who were involved in the case against E Corp from long, long ago with the whole thing that happened with her mother and Elliot's father and them dying, but basically because they were exposed to bad stuff by working with E Corp. Um, and only one attorney is returning her call. 
Yeah, which is uh, not surprising, honestly. A lot of attorneys are busy, and this seems to be sort of thankless work, I should say, to take this case on. It doesn't seem to be the kind of, I mean, there's already been a lot of things that are done. There doesn't seem to be a ton of new evidence. Uh, the stuff they already kind of knew has been confirmed, but it wasn't enough in the past, so it's probably not enough now. And this attorney doesn't really seem to be that interested in the case from the jump. She seems more interested in Angela because she worked on the case in the past. Right. Yeah, that seems to be where the interest is coming from. Um, but what does the what does the the lawyer say about this person in the other room? Like, she uses this as basically a benchmark of why your case is not going to work now against Terry Colby against all these people. This person like drunkenly murdered his ex girlfriend or something with an Xbox because she cheated in a game, and I have a better shot at getting him off than I do at prosecuting the people you're after. Yeah, and she's already into the Buffalo Trace bourbon, Josh, on her desk. Oh, look at that. Uh, look at you back on bourbon watch. Yeah, we're on, I'm on bourbon patrol. I'm on the bourbon trail. And uh, this is, you know, a very popular Kentucky bourbon, bourbon made in our state capital. And uh, she's already drinking. We know it's early in the morning because we know Angela has come directly from work. Uh, and she, So she's skeptical. She's got these horrible other clients who she sees as better cases than Angela. And she's already into the bourbon. She's already into her cups this early in the morning. Uh, I like this actress, uh, Sakina. Tina Jaffrey is her name. She played Vasquez on House of Cards right. memorably. So uh, she had a nice little run there uh, in the kind of teens and into the 20s episodes of House of Cards. Uh, and so I really like her. She's kind of, a, kind of a straight shooter as an attorney. I like the way that she's playing this role. And it's just not going – she basically – it's not going well. And, and she basically says, like, look – yeah, the company's evil incarnate, but it's just not worth it. Uh, and what we need would be reliable eyewitnesses. We need an inside source. That would be what we would need to change the dynamic of this case. Right. And so we're going to see later on in the episode that Angela might have an idea about that, an unorthodox idea about that. Yes, unorthodox is the right word. She really, Angela, is fight or flight, so she's thinking outside the box, and she is fighting. She's trying a lot of different things at her disposal. Uh, great scene we'll talk about between her and Elliot later where she's kind of seeking sort of backing and approval of this sort of method, uh, and that is ultimately where she ends up. So uh, more to come on that for sure. More to come on that. Here's Darlene uh, hanging outside of a parking lot by the jail where Fernando Vera is being imprisoned, and she's just like... Hansel and Gretling some flash drives all over the place. Just leaving yeah, not, a, a trail of flash drives. Not the most elegant solution. Just throwing flash drives everywhere, hoping someone will pick one up. We do see later that is exactly what happens. So a police officer picks one up. He puts it in his computer. It's like, hey, do you want a free gift card? Uh, so he starts answering these survey questions. Who's your and favorite Wu-Tang Clan member? Yes, he picks ODB, which is pretty much the right answer, That's a good I think. Pick. I mean, Method yeah. Man's a great pick as well. Yeah, Method Man is a good... I mean, look, listen, the Wu-Tang Clan runs deep. Yeah. There are a lot of great Wu-Tang Clan members. You could have said RZA, you could have said Jizza, you could have said Raekwon. You're pretty, I think any you're of pretty those good are no matter what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, but yeah, he picks ODB. That's, that's a good call. And yeah, unfortunately, the uh, malware alert comes up because maybe ODB wasn't the right answer. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> is that why? <laughs> yes, that's got to be why. No, the malware alert comes up because Darlene has only had an hour to put this thing together, and you really sense the kind of seat-of-their-pants kind of plan that Ellie is putting together uh, and uh, Elliot's having a rough time I mean this is you've got Flipper barking in the background Isaac is yelling uh, there are bad things happening here and this plan is not going well hey by the way we didn't really talk about this but in the apartment did you notice where QWERTY is <laughs> tell me you got moved Josh QWERTY the fish who famously 
begged uh, Elliot in the dream, move into the goddamn window, has been moved to the damn window. Well, listen, hey, at least something good came out of all of those crazy uh, daemons uh, that were dealt with in that episode. Yeah, he, yeah. You know, he finally got his wish, and he has a nice view. Better there than he got supersized and put on some kind of dish and served as a meal at All Safe. Yeah, that was very strange when that happened. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that anymore. It makes me, and I have a hard time sleeping at night when I think about that. Cloned and supersized. Yeah, we don't want that to happen. <laughs> it's not great. But yeah, yeah, no GMO, no GMO Cordy, Josh. Yeah, too so, many. He's got too many letters in his name already. We can't have GMO Cordy. So Elliot, Elliot is doing uh, doing great. You know, it's yeah, a great no. day for Elliot, and he seems to be doing well. And uh, you know, things are great. And he's taking Flipper for a walk, and he goes and he sees Darlene. He's like, "Oh, thank you, Darlene. Everything is going." so well and i appreciate your role in this plan and it is happening perfectly yeah that's exactly what he says except the exact opposite the this is no good he's talking about how she just kind of ripped the malware from a, a really publicly available site and it was easy to to catch from a malware uh, control program he looks terrible josh is so he's super pale like this is some of the worst rami malik look that we've seen in this series including strung out and in withdrawals he just looks awful uh, he looks very wan uh, and this is a this is clearly not the best thing that's happening he's getting threatened by these guys the gun comes out as he's talking to darlene uh, about what's happening this is just this is a he's in a really bad position and it's gonna get worse before the day is done yeah i mean listen elliot has been in some harrowing situations already as you mentioned you know in some heroin situations yeah exactly you know that was probably top of the list he also went through a very tense situation as he was infiltrating steel mountain um, he has had some tense in, uh, encounters with Mr. Robot himself. You know, there have definitely been stressful situations that Elliot has gone through, but this is life or death. This is, yeah. you know, it's not just fight or flight. It's life or death. And this is the kind of thing where it's not like you're going to get thrown into jail for, you know, espionage or whatever you're going to get thrown into jail for. You're you're getting thrown into jail. Uh, espionage. <laughs> I don't know, Antonio. <laughs> I'm trying to come up with words. And it's, Ugh, I like it. I like it. Elliot as James Bond. This is great. Tell me more. No, I quit. <laughs> I quit podcasting. Uh, the point is, Elliot could be shot at any moment here, and it yes. would be bad. Yes. Would yeah. Be bad. And and yeah, that I think that it's not been clear in the course of this episode yet that it really is not just Shayla's life that he is really concerned about or should be concerned about. It's his life, and now it becomes Darlene's life as well. And that becomes a much greater problem, is that once Darlene kind of enters this equation, she becomes yet more leverage to use against Elliot. Uh, and it's not just one life at stake at this point. It's several lives, including Elliot's. And as I said, it just gets worse. Uh, and it's really kind of high-stakes, very personal drama. The, the the things that have been at stake, even though you're right, Elliot has had the run-ins with Mr. Robot, and he's been kind of in a in a high security position uh, where he could get in trouble for that espionage at Steel Mountain. Uh, he is in very personal peril at this point, so it's a kind of a different conflict than we've seen on this show. In that his life is being directly threatened, uh, and other than the run-in with Mr. Robot, everything that's going on with F Society is much more of a global and worldwide kind of thing, where they're trying to make these big changes. That will have an impact on everyone This is Elliot's got to fight for his own personal life At this point Yeah, uh, Not only his life but Shayla's life as well and, and, and Darlene's after Darlene is taken After this last scene Yeah so Darlene is now really in the mix of it As well so it's all, all bad stuff um, Speaking of bad stuff How about this scene with Tyrell Wellick And Scott Knowles 
What's bad about it, Josh? It's 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 almost a literal pissing contest. (laughs) It's bad for Tyrell. It's great for Scott Knowles, and it's great for everybody who is watching this scene. Yeah, what a monster, this Scott Knowles. Oh, he's great. Oh, what a monster. What a monster. Of course. Of course, Sharon Knowles has told Scott Knowles about the uh, bathroom incident, about the run in. Do we have a name for that incident? I don't know. (laughs) Watergate. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> make Watergate. Make Watergate. Yes, about about Make Watergate. Uh, yeah, she she's of course told Scott Knowles about Make Watergate. Uh, this is something that Scott Knowles does not immediately make clear to Wellick. Wellick is kind of like, hey, let's hit the back nine, blow off the rest of your day, blah 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 blah. And it, it, Knowles just has no time for this. No time for it at all. But it's really you know he's fi- he's fine to just let Wellick be a bit of a dink. And yes. Until Wellick starts really digging in even more. He says, you know what? Uh, f- fantastic evening the other night. Thank you for having us over. The food was incredible. The wine. The lovely Sharon. Oh, uh, Wellick, make what are you sure doing? to tell her I said goodbye. And Take it you know, in. Scott's like, you know what? Can we talk about how you walked did into you the bathroom? Did you enjoy the view? Yes. Yeah. Did you enjoy that? Was that nice? Did you like that? And uh, he th- he like takes his his thing out. And he's like, you. I could pee in front of you right now if like you're yes. really into watching the Knowles family pee. I could. I can get my brother here. Yeah, I could get my brother in. He has the bladder of a small child. I could pee right now. I've had several glasses of water. <laughs> You can tell he's been thinking about this. Yeah, this he's is not been something about it. He's been thinking yeah. about it. And uh, Tyrell, you said he has. You said he has no time for Tyrell, but there is a watch involved as well. There is a watch involved as well. It was a gift from the prince of. Oh, it doesn't even matter. Yeah, I have never they, heard of that place. Well, it doesn't matter. Uh, you, you could probably you could probably just kind of summarize everything about that country in a day. Okay. But yeah, it is it is not something that uh, that matters ultimately to Scott Knowles. That's ultimate. That that really is like such a kind of a D head move. It's like, oh yeah, a prince gave it to me. Doesn't matter which prince. Not really. Like I'm, I've I've probably interacted with dozens of princes. Josh, by the way, that watch is probably worth like one point five million dollars. Yeah, it way. seems like an expensive watch. Two things on that. One is I think that. When he's saying, oh, it doesn't even matter, I didn't read that as, like, it doesn't matter where that guy is from. I read it as, it doesn't matter for you to know. You're just trying to play me, and I want you out of my office. I'm, yeah, I don't need to talk to you about yeah, this. Yeah, I don't I'm need to talk gonna... to you about it. I'm I'm aware of what you're trying to do here. I know that you want to be CTO. I know that you're really, really ripped up about it. Um, so there's that. And then, yeah, I mean, this very, very expensive watch he offers to Tyrell, obviously Ugh. not for real, but is saying, like, you've got a baby on the way. This could pay off your mortgage. I know you're still in that two-bedroom apartment in Chelsea. Uh, and, you know, he's looking for this look on Tyrell's face. He wants to see it on his face when he realizes he will never be the CTO of E-Corp. Uh, and he gets that look when he talks about his mortgage, when he talks about the two-bedroom condo. Uh, and it's just a great moment of, of victory from Scott Knowles. And Tyrell Wellick, who'd been playing the game this whole time, has lost this battle decisively. Yeah, and it's a crazy battle. Like, the playing field of this battle is un- unreal because there are $1.5 million watches from princes that don't even matter. There are there are pissing contests, literal and figurative. There are discussions of wives. There are discussions. He's belittling what is probably a very, very expensive piece of real estate in Chelsea would be my guess. I could be wrong about that. You tell me, Josh. It looks pretty expensive. 
It looks like a really nice looks place. It's in expensive. Chelsea. Yeah. It's it's. It, I mean, to to belittle that is like a true kind of like. Oh, you. I know you want to be on my level, but I'm getting one point five million dollar watches from princes that I can just cast aside to you as sort of a a parting gift, as a as a second place prize, you know. And meanwhile, you're still stuck in that oh that terrible little place in Chelsea. Oh, how pathetic! And you still have a mortgage. My God. Yeah. So Wellick goes home and. He he is livid, uh, and he is feeling pretty destructive, uh, and he's pe- he's feeling pretty revengeful right about now. <laughs> yes, he's feeling very <laughs> revengeful. Yeah, so he starts tearing apart his kitchen while Joanna is just like calmly eating eating what? Like, is it like a like a pastry? What is she eating in this? Scene? I looked it up. Fried pickles. Really? <laughs> yeah, according to the show notes, okay. fried pickles. Fried pickles. How about yeah, that? she's pregnant, so pickles, you know, there may be a little bit of a craving, but yeah, I, I kind of hinted about this on our last podcast, that there are other moments where, where Wellick just kind of, the world is collapsing all around him, and, and Joanna is keeping her head about her. Uh, this is a great one, obviously, where he is literally out of focus in the background, just going nuts, and she's in focus in the foreground ground just calmly eating i I love joanna well she's a great character and she's amazing and tyrell is in this moment being like i gotta step back i've gone too far i overstepped i need to just be patient i just need to be calm and joanna's like all right cool be patient but don't be a coward yeah and she points out i think which is rather brilliant that the fact that that mrs knowles told told mr knowles about the incident that sharon told scott about about make watergate means that she really wants to be wanted, that she wants attention. She wants, she wanted Scott to know about that, even though she's the one who kind of instigated it. She wants Scott Knowles to know that this sort of thing is happening and that she's wanted by others. And that is a weakness that Joanna recognizes. And I think that's fascinating. Yeah. Um, you know, he's like, but she spread her legs and she's like, well, probably not far enough. Uh, yeah. But now is your chance. Like now, now she wants to be wanted and you know that. Yeah, and you can take advantage of that, and, and we can see where this goes. And we will, uh, without spoiling anything, we will. This is not the last we've seen of the Wellicks versus the Knowles. No, this storyline is happening. You know? Yes. <laughs> it, is, it is in development. It is alive. It, is al- it has come to be. It is alive. But, this, you know, I love this scene in the kitchen, I think, is really excellent with Joanna just being, you know, total Lady Macbeth here. Yeah, it's gorgeous. The first time you watch this series, I don't think it's clear until the end of the first season, and I won't give any further details, but I don't think it's clear until the end of the first season exactly where all the characters kind of lie and who the really kind of people that have been in control are in charge. And I think the Wellick dynamic is fascinating because I think that you get a little bit of Joanna Wellick, uh, you know, in the beginning of the, the introduction to Wellick, and then we're getting more of her as this series goes on, and I think it becomes more and more clear that she has this cool head while Tyrell Wellick is the kind of guy that can be gotten to. He is the kind of guy that beats up the homeless people. He is the kind of guy that has these urges, slaps himself in the face, yells at himself to get himself fired up. And Joanna Wellick is just calmly sitting there. Obviously, there will be other scenes that underscore this, but I think it's this is a great character moment for Joanna Wellick. Best one, I think, even better than the BDSM one earlier in the series. That's great. I really like Best it. one so far. Yeah, it's yeah. very good. Uh, all right. So Elliot is, you know, still in the thick of it. He is paid a visit by Angela. Angela wants to tell him that she has a plan to change the world. Yeah, uh, which is really interesting language, isn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, Elliot is also in the middle of a plan to change the world. Uh, well, a it's little been bit sidetracked. sidetracked. Yeah, but yeah. that is something that he has been working on as well. And you know, these are very important words, and they're parallel words. But Elliot's not really focusing on them too much. In fairness to Elliot, he has a lot going on. He says. This is too much. I should just tell her what she wants to hear. Angela, Shayla, Evil Corp, all this stuff. Like, I can't handle it all. So he just kind of, I think, thinks back to when Angela said, let me lose. Don't fight for me. Let me lose. Elliot says, you know what? Trust yourself. Do what you want to do. It's going to be right. Make that happen. And Angela's like, oh, I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, those are the right words. And it's it's interesting. I think a lot of people would look at this scene and say, the character of Elliot that we've seen so far, he's not necessarily the most socially graceful guy who always knows what words to say, who knows how to kind of read people and their emotions and do and say the right things. That's not always his, as a matter of fact, he's got a lot of anxiety about social interactions, but, and he, and he, and he often is very blunt when he tells Ollie, for example, I'm okay with it being weird between the two of us. Like that's not the thing you say to smooth something over right. with a guy. That's the thing you say to, to, to make it very clear that you're going to be happy how you want to be, forget how they want you to be. But in this scene, you're right. He does, I think, think of what Angela has wanted from him in the past, and he's able to deliver it. I think this is great on so many levels. One, I think it shows that Elliot, of, uh, if, he's, if he's capable of this sort of behavior, if he's interested in this behavior, even as his world is collapsing around him, he's able to deliver this for Angela, Angela specifically. And I think that's key. I think the second thing that's really interesting about this scene is keep in mind, we know Elliot and Angela both had a parent who was impacted by this horrible Terry Colby, evil corp kind of toxic waste issue. And they're in a very similar position as a result of it. They're both wanting to change the world, quote unquote, as a result of what happened to them and their families. The way Elliot's manifesting is the way Elliot's issue is manifesting is he's going to change the world by taking down evil corp and erasing debt. It seems like Angela is more interested in trying to bring this lawsuit back uh, and find some way to make an impact in that regard. But they're both motivated to take action against Evil Corp, and both of them see that as changing the world. Yeah. And we'll see if either of those plans work, but Angela's story is definitely starting to activate, and we saw her in the previous episode at that fork in the road, and she has clearly chosen which way she wants to go. Yeah, that, and I think that's great. I think we got the, a more, you know, a less on the nose representation of that with her in this episode, kind of turning her binders of work down and leaving the office. But she's very clearly on this path at this point. And she's going to Elliot for support in that decision, and he provides it to her. He tells her, do what you want. You want to do this? It'll be right. So here we are. So Elliot's going to have an encounter with another familiar face as a sounding board. He's going to go back inside after meeting with Angela and is going to, lo and behold, there is Mr. Robot. Just hanging out. Oh, yeah, of course. There he is. Mr. Robot, always showing up at uh, the most inopportune time. But actually, I think he's got some good advice. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, he's basically saying, like, you can't. This is a zero-sum game. There's no option where you and Shayla get out of here alive. It's not worth doing. You want to change the world. You're so close to doing it. But, uh, you know, going down this road is really going to interrupt everything that we're trying to do here. Yeah. And he points out that Darlene, you know, called him and said, why don't you get over here? And that Darlene is also in jeopardy. uh, And that's the kind of zero sum game. He basically tells Elliot that I understand that you want to help people and watch over them. But really, the best thing you can do for Shayla is allow her to become a memory. Uh, And that's a really tough thing to say to somebody. But then he says, true courage is about being honest with yourself, especially 
especially when it's difficult. You won the battle at Steel Mountain, but this is failure. This is the old Elliot. This is a coward who can't face the truth, even though it's staring him right in the face. And right. I think that that this is Mr. Robot basically saying, like, you had a breakthrough. You've overcome a lot. You've been brave. You've done things. You've won. But you have to recognize this is one you can't win. You're going to lose this. And so the best thing you can do is cut your losses. And I just it doesn't seem the kind of thing that Elliot's ever going to do. Of course, he doesn't do it in this episode. But, you know, Mr. Robot is kind of right. Uh, although Elliot does live and Darlene does live. So uh, Shayla is dead. But, but you know, not everyone's gone. So not a total loss. Not a total loss, but I mean, these are the harsh words of a man like Mr. Robot, and we have gotten to know this character a decent amount over the past six episodes now, um, and this all falls in line with his philosophy. I think that he is definitely uh, sacrificed the life of one to save the lives of millions. You know, that definitely seems to be his M.O., and that's a hard thing to hear when the one is somebody who you're very, very close to, and if you're Elliot, you don't want to accept that. And I get that. I totally understand where Elliot's coming from here. But Mr. Robot comes in and he's got his points to make and they are not completely without, you know, validity. Yeah, what's really fa- kind of fascinating about this is because Mr. Robot does talk about courage is we kicked off the episode with Elliot talking about fight or flight, uh, and he chose ultimately to fight, and Mr. Robot is telling him you should choose flight. Like, you shouldn't get in this fight. It's a zero-sum game. The only way he wins is to kill all of you. And then we hear Elliot's voiceover again in this moment, and he talks about how the sensation has come back. There's three lives at stake, including my own. And he says, I, Elliot Alderson, am. And then we, he says, what? He, doesn't, he hasn't made the decision. But then when we see him go back in his apartment, he is like a house of fire. He's ready to do something, kicks the CDs under the bed. Uh, He says he's ready to get Vera out. He's got a plan. So in that moment, he really chose fight. It seemed like uh, this is the second time he's chosen fight in this episode. He's determined that his true courage comes from fighting in this scene, not from running away. So he doesn't agree with what Mr. Robot has told him. Yeah, so he's going to pick fight. Uh, fight is going to at least at first involve a visit to jail to hang out with Fernando Vera. Uh, he says, I need more time. Fernando Vera is like, uh, it needs to be tonight. And he's like, no, I need more time right now. We need to talk for a little while because my phone is doing some hacker business at the front desk. <laughs> and you, you need to let that happen. Uh, and Fernando Vera loves this. Yeah, he's like, man, you're brave, but you're stupid. You showed your face. Yeah, but yeah, he's like, well, the good news is I'm going to open every single cell. That's what I'm doing, so uh, no one's going to point this one at me. Vera lo- loves this. He stands up and cheers. I mean, the universe got big plans for us, bro. And this is, I mean, this is Elliot in control. He's telling Vera to sit down. He's basically saying, like, this is, this is Elliot's big play. Elliot says, wherever you need to go, you need to make money. I hacked Isaac's phone. I have all your details now. I own your whole world. Right. I need to know when you get out we're all going to live. Shayla's going to live. I'm going to live. If anyone tries to hurt us, I'm bringing your world down. If you hurt us, I will delete you. And that is a pretty, uh, pretty interesting threat. And Vera, I don't know. What is Vera's response to this? He offers something, Josh. Vera doesn't really engage any of that other than, you know, it's time for him to get away from Elliot. It's time for him to go back to his cell. And he just says, remember, 
I'm a hug you. I'm a hug you. Yeah. And obviously he doesn't really engage that because Shayla's already dead. Right. And as we know, by the end of the episode, his world doesn't matter. His brother is already dirty. He's already going to burn his world down and go become a brave traveler and go into the world and do these crazy things. And who knows what uh, by the end of this episode. But he, in this moment, Elliot's trying to make this play and he just doesn't know that he's, he's drawing dead, that Vera's already got Shayla on ice and that these bad things have already happened and that Vera doesn't care about his world. Not for nothing, but Elliot, you're going to let out every single prisoner. Yeah, this is a, this is great. I mean, this is kind of, I I understand we're going to talk about the fridging of it all as we get later into this episode, but I think this is a really interesting dilemma that Elliot's faced with and that he's going to do some harm to society for certain to try to effectuate ultimately saving one life. He's trading potentially dozens of, uh, keep in mind, Vera is, is wanted for uh, not uh, petty crimes. He's wanted for some very serious crimes. My guess is the people that are getting out with Vera are also wanted for very serious crimes. So he's not exactly letting white collar criminals out of jail. And this is a, this is a bad deal. This is a bad deal, but it's a choice that Elliot is making to protect himself and himself only. He could have found a way to do this, to get Vera out. Uh, and Vera all by himself. Elliot's choice to expose himself comes with the idea that he's going to have to let everyone out to protect that. And this is the plan he's going with. This is a very difficult choice that has been made for certain. This is a total F society move. And I don't mean it as in F society, the organization, but this is a choice he's making where he is saying F you society. I'm going to unleash a bunch of crazy inmates upon you just so that I can get myself and my girlfriend out of this situation. Yeah, and I mean, this is a perfect time to talk about this because, and this is, I mean, we're, we're keep in mind we separate spoilers, and this is, this is something that that, that is contained in only this episode and the episodes that are previous to this. But Elliot mentions that he says uh, right before this scene, he says, "Remember when the panic would set in? We had a solution. To be honest, I miss that. Life is so much easier when you're numb." He's talking about how he would have loved to have used morphine, and this is an Elliot who is coming into this situation right off of the withdrawals, right off of that horrible scenario that he already faced, and right off of a time, Josh, where he had some crazy hallucinations and some crazy dreams. Dreams as a result of that. And we saw that presented, I think, very artfully in that Demons episode. And we haven't seen anything that is that kind of surrealist or that kind of fake. But I think it's right to ask at this point, could any of what we're seeing at this point not be happening as we're seeing it? Yeah, um, not impossible. Not impossible, but I, I tend to take this as at its surface. I tend to take this as reality. I tend to take this as... Elliot's unleashing a whole bunch of prisoners and this is the choice he's making. And I think that the choice could very well come down to the fact that he is a pretty messed up individual right, right. who has, you know, just very recently quit drugs, cold Turkey. Uh, so if you want to afford a little bit of charity toward that, I'm okay with that. But I think that the choice he's making is sturdy and legit. Yeah, that's absolutely why I brought it up here, because he right before this scene, he does mention the drugs, and he mentions that his brain is fried and that his serotonin is working overtime. So he's mentioning that he thinks he's having kind of brain and chemical issues as a result of his, his inability to kind of go into his hole uh, with, and, and to kind of control his panic, uh, ultimately, and that his panic is leading him to making these kind of decisions, I think is ultimately the direct thing that we can draw from this. Whether there's anything indirect or not, uh, you're 
were saying you don't think that there is. I think on this show, I think that that's always been something that the show has presented in question. We talked about Elliot's monologue uh, to Krista when it, it seems like he's delivering it, but then it's all in his head. We know what happened on the Demons episode. Uh, so we know there are things that, that don't always make sense in the moment. Uh, and so this jail scene does seem to have happened, as you're saying, and it does seem to be a decision that's El- that Elliot's made. But I just, I do wonder uh, sometimes about the drugs of it all because he's just come off of that. And I, you know, he's mentioning how it's impacting him and affecting him. And it's hard to say exactly where all that goes away. Even Josh, when he's at his best in this episode, he's thinking about, uh, he's thinking about family and stuff like that. Uh, And, you know, at at other times in other episodes, he's hallucinated or seen his mother and thought about things that have happened in the past. So even when he's, you know, better off, he's done that. So it's hard to say how much uh, is exactly as it went down. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we will we'll get back into all of this. Uh, first, we see Angela is going to pay a visit to Challenge Beast Terry Colby. Terry Colby has no idea who Angela is. Yeah, and if that bird doesn't get your pulse going, I don't know what could. <laughs> Uh, yeah, she goes to meet. She, he doesn't remember her. That's what kind of a jerk Terry Colby is. That he absolutely sat in a room with her and hated her and kicked her out of the room and now doesn't even remember her. No recollection. Uh, so yeah, that's how insignificant she was in his life. Even though that is the day where his life, as it stands now, was ruined. Yeah, uh, and and that's exactly right. That Obviously is the very he would moment. Know that, but you know. Well, and the other thing about that is she sees his kind of house arrest thing. She sees that he's under kind of house arrest. And I think she starts to get in him a, a sort of feeling that he probably is hounded, that this is something where people have come to him and he's really not in a good place because he's under house arrest. And that maybe her approach of just showing up and kind of not having an idea of what she was going to say didn't work. So I think she gets that impression by the time she leaves this scene. Yeah. Um, so that's it. This is the last we see of Angela in this episode. That's, that's it for Angela in this episode. TBD on that. But Terry Colby is at least back in the mix in this episode. Going to be interesting to see where that goes moving forward. Um, Elliot, he, you know, he has a way, he figures out a way that's going to cut, that's going to get into the, into the jail and get Vera out of there. Uh, he delivers this news to Isaac and DJ. Isaac wants a word with Elliot. When he hears that Elliot can actually do this thing, this is when Isaac starts to turn over his car. And Isaac doesn't want his brother out of jail. Isaac really wants his brother to die in jail. And Elliot is starting to piece this together as Isaac takes Elliot for a little bit of a stroll down a long pier. A short walk, or it's a long walk off a short pier, is the old saying. And that's basically what he's about to do here. And Elliot kind of turns the tables. It's a great scene between these two. Yeah, and Elliot uses the Mr. Robot zero-sum game speech, and he talks about how, like, this is a zero-sum game, and if you don't get him out, he's going to kill you because you didn't get him out, Uh, so we need to get him out, and then you can do what you want. That's the only one where you can live. If you don't get him out, he's going to kill you anyway, and so let's make this happen, and it's your best move. It's your only move. Let's do this. I'm playing my best move, so all their cards are on the table at this point, Josh. Yeah, I love that. Isaac's like, how do you know I won't kill you when this is all done? It's like, I don't. I'm just playing my best move. 
Yeah, this is great. This is a very high stakes poker, Josh. Higher stakes than I think you've experienced recently. Well, probably true. I would say so. I mean, this is life or death. Yeah, this uh, is not River Run It Up, Reno. No, no it's not. Um, I, the scene with Darlene going to the cop and like <laughs> just like flirting with the cop is so yes. silly. Yeah, it really is. I don't. She's just kind of mumbling things in the back, like we could go out and this, you know, we could go here. And like, I could I'll tell take you, you there. what. We'll go out. We'll have some drinks. Maybe we'll make out. Who knows? <laughs> Darlene sounds like Morgan, your friend Dar- Morgan. Darlene McIclad. <laughs> so yeah, these horrible things are happening uh, to that poor cop. He's being taken for a ride <laughs> as he sits very in his funny. car. Like if you if you go back and if you listen to like what Darlene is saying yes, to the cop, she's got the a whole cop, plan. Yeah, that the cop is even engaging it at all is ludicrous. To me. Yes, <laughs> the cop is just like get out of here. That should be his reaction. She's got the kind of classic like lean in the car window, like you know you're picking up somebody on the street kind of thing. Yeah, he doesn't need to be seen with her anyway. No. let alone when she's spewing all this. <laughs> nonsense but it's working and like elliot is able to hack uh, hack the computer because of it and everything like that and now he is ready and he tells isaac darlene is out of this let's go right now no more darlene she is safe otherwise i'm not going to do what we're doing this is time for you to make your move isaac what are you going to do yeah uh, and isaac's like all right i guess darlene's going to be safe here yeah, this is a good good move by Elliot. For a guy who was going to fight or flight and talked about how he was full of anxiety and complained he had nothing to do with his panic, he's got a cool head at this point. And this is all kind of after uh, after the, the speech with Mr. Robot, after the zero-sum game, after Mr. Robot saying, like, you know, you need to run. Elliot's doing the exact opposite, and he's in control. Like, he really is winning this game at this point for sure. Yeah, uh, so they're going to go to the prison. The lights are all going to go out. It's a power outage because all the doors open at once. And here come all the prisoners, and here comes Fernando Vera. And Fernando Vera has his brother executed immediately. He says, immediately. He says, uh, he says something like, shoot that guy, DJ, and you don't yeah. know who he's going to shoot. And it turns out to be Isaac, and Isaac's brains explode onto the camera, and it is our first act of extreme fatal violence on the show and that bloodshed is really going to change things moving forward i think yeah uh and really in the immediate because he said vera kind of points elliot to isaac and he says look at that you know that's proof my operation is over burn it to the ground doesn't matter i'm gone i'm one with all the heavens and all existence he's spewing this weird nonsense as he typically does he hasn't mentioned shayla at all josh yeah no no talk about Shayla whatsoever. No talk about Shayla. No hug. Uh, and Elliot wants to know, like, what about Shayla? Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, told you. She's been here the whole time. Told you you'd get her back. You yeah, just didn't he, know she was with you the whole time, bro. Yeah. And Elliot sees it before we as an audience do. Um, and he, uh, this is Remy Malik's some of his best work on this series, I think. Just the way he plays this final scene out. Just the, the I mean, it almost goes through the entire stages of grief uh, in, in one kind of 30 or 45 second burst where he's clearly upset. He's clearly angry. I think there's some denial in there. There's just a lot of, and then it's ultimately he puts the hood up. That's the acceptance and 
he moves on. So I really think that that's a great, great, great scene from Remy Malik. It's just beautiful work. Uh, unfortunately, it's just disgustingly beautiful work because the music is swelling. It's an agonizingly long period that is spent between the time that the trunk is open and between the time we as the audience see the reveal yeah, of we, Shayla being we there. Know. We know. We it. know. We yes. know it for a long time before but it's we don't confirmed. see it. Yeah. Yes. And that is it, that is a show playing uh, the absolute. They're they're playing all their cards at that point to milk this for all it's worth. Yeah, I think that in terms of the reveal, you know, it's its best move. You know, yeah. like the way that they draw it out. I think that the the art that is involved in this moment, it's beautifully crafted. Any problems I have with the actual death aside, I think that the way that it is conveyed is really excellent. Um, and everything that you're saying about Rami Malek's performance in that moment is just spectacular. Just the, the unsettling, you know, arrival at the conclusion that, oh, God, this happened. This entire day was for nothing. I just let all these monsters out of prison. I got to get out of here before I get arrested. So it's, you know, yeah, a lot they're, of like, they're a really long time. It's a real uh, fight or flight moment, though. And like the yeah. whole episode has been about the tension between fight and flight. And Elliot, it's like there's nothing left to fight. Like you right. want to fight through this. You want to change this. But Shayla's dead. You can't bring her back. That's happened. Now the best way to continue fighting might be to fly away. Yeah. Yeah, I'll fly away. Fly away, oh glory. That is absolutely what, what that happens. And he puts the hood up, which we know is his kind of, I'm blocking out the world. I'm going into my own little hood. He and goes I'm ghost protes, yeah. Yeah, ghost protocol. Exactly right. That's exactly what happens. And, and he gone. He gone, Josh. So let's talk about, in a non-spoiler way, your, your issues with the fridging of, of what happened here. Yeah, with I Shayla. think that they're just, you know, they're fairly evident. I don't think that I have anything deeper beyond... This is a thing that happens a lot in fiction, and it gets a little stale sometimes. And I think that, you know, the, the killing of the female lead just to motivate the male main character gets a little old. And especially when, like, it's not a fridge, but it's a trunk. Yeah. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty close. Um, so, you know, more than, any, like, I love this show. I love where the show goes, obviously. Otherwise, we wouldn't be podcasting about it. But I'm just curious to get your take on it, because this is an episode that I've been saying in the spoiler-filled sections for a little while now that I just don't know about this episode's place in the overall scheme of things. So maybe that discussion we should reserve for the spoiler-filled section. But I'm just kind of curious about your take on the death, on the tropiness of it. Are you okay with it? Just, like, what's your what's your overall reaction to it? Uh, taking it only with what's been contained in the first six episodes and nothing that is to come. I'll say a few things. First, I wouldn't necessarily classify Shayla as the female lead. I understand it doesn't necessarily matter whether I mean, she's uh, a lead. I mean, the love interest. The ingenue. The, and, and I think that's the, the point where you have to start, is that she was a love interest, but the, the nature of their interest in this world is more kind of opaque and not necessarily something that I think you can easily uh, kind of draw a line around. It is not something that I, the example would be that, that it's not, I guess it's not clear exactly what Shayla means to Elliot. Uh, the first time Shayla shows up on the show, uh, it's a don't make decisions while you're on drugs and we accidentally had sex and I'm not happy about this. The second time we see her, it's Elliot's not happy that she stayed around when Angela came back and that Angela is being sort of, I think, positioned as the love interest. Elliot's very upset that what's happened with Angela and Ollie and he doesn't like Ollie, doesn't want to go to her birthday. I think Elliot is carrying a torch for Angela at the beginning of this series and I think that's obvious. When Elliot goes through his 
his really stupid steal my sunshine, the world can be a <laughs> yeah, better place yeah. kind of moment. One of the things he says is, I might ask Shayla to be my girlfriend. And it's almost like that's a product of what Elliot thinks he's supposed to do rather than what he's supposed to do, rather than what he wants to do. Uh, it's what he thinks he's, that normal people are supposed to do. Right. A normal person would be in this relationship with Shayla. On the flip side of that, Shayla is a really good person. She seems to be really good for Elliot. Leaving the drug dealer part aside, uh, she's kind of always trying to say, like, I don't want to give you those drugs without the other drugs. You have to promise me this. She has her own dreams. She has her own goals. They have this kind of shared awkwardness. They have that great moment where Elliot realizes that maybe she has her own issues and that she has her own uh, beautiful maze that she's built that she gets caught up in to hide from the world. And Elliot, I think, in that moment does kind of ask if he can kiss her. He wants to do that at that time. So he does evolve his feelings about Shayla, but I don't think she's always been on the show strictly as a love interest for Elliot. I think that she's been on the show to sort of complicate Elliot's feelings and to show that Elliot is a broken person who maybe could have a good relationship, but he's not able to form this really direct thing. And I think the, the death of Shayla is more representative in that regard of the death of kind of this idea in Elliot that he can be normal, that he can be the sort of thing that other people want. And it's a shame that Shayla had to die to kind of establish that. But I, I mean, we'll have to talk about where the show goes after this. Right. Uh, but I do think that that represents in, in some respects, not necessarily like a, uh, a moment where she, he, like the lead character is inspired to go conquer the world with his love interest died. I think this is more about the death of normalcy and the death of this kind of ability of Elliot to be innocent and to kind of do the things normal people do that Elliot's world does not, does not allow for this sort of thing in part because of the decisions that he's made. And that's the other thing is he brought Vera into this. He really brought Vera into Shayla's life by asking for the specific drugs. And then he essentially brought Vera into Shayla into the crosshairs by lying and setting up Vera. So everything he's done and everything that happens is his fault directly. Uh, And I think that that's a really interesting thing as well. And then I guess the only other thing I'll say is this episode, and I think I've said hinted at this before, I think it represents a lot more of the personal conflict that Elliot faces rather than the global conflict about saving the world and about doing all these, you know, grand things where we see on the news or we see the, you know, the, the, the F society videos of right, it all. Which has been what this show has been mostly about, you know, yes. in terms of the, the macro picture. Yes. But I think when you get to the micro level, I think that there is that idea there because Elliot is struggling on the micro level with his revenge fantasies about, uh, about F society taking down evil corp like that is ultimately what is motivating probably as much it seems as the free the world he is motivated by that he does look around and see debt and he sees student loans and he sees people he cares about being impacted by these things but it's when he sees the stuff about e corp on the news in the loft that he decides you know what i'm going back to f society and i'm going to help them with this Yes, and it's only when he sees Terry Colby uh, push Angela around that he decides to switch the file folder. Right. Like That's what pushes him over the edge. So I think Elliot's always been at this sort of personal versus public struggle in terms of his motivations and his actions. I think this is one of the first times where we've seen a full-on uh, 
private kind of personal struggle of Elliot's really take the wind out of his kind of public actions. Like this is something where because of personal decisions that he's made, he's unable to think about his public. And the Mr. Robot scene kind of is the, is the talking part of that in the episode. Mr. Robot is arguing that to him. Like you have way more important things to do for the public than struggling with this private thing. So I think this episode underscores that, that dichotomy that Elliot faces for sure. Yeah, no, that's a very interesting point. And I think that that's totally fair. And I'm curious, you know, from this point forward, you know, this episode ends and Fernando Vera is free. And I remember watching it the first time being like, where does this go? Because this guy is now out in the world being a savage traveler somewhere. And he has just done this horrible, horrible thing uh, where he has killed Shayla or he has at least given the hit to kill to kill Shayla. And Elliot now has to deal with this. So where is that story going to go? We could talk a little bit about that in the spoiler filled section. Anything on a spoiler free level you still want to hit before we move on? Yeah, just a couple things. One, um, I think that through six episodes, it's pretty awesome that a show like this can now essentially have three big bads. We've got Vera out there, as you're saying right now, as this guy who's in the universe and who clearly is a horrible, horrible person that Elliot has this issue with. That is, you know, contrast to Tyrell Wellick, who is a big bad in a different way uh, and who has interacted with Elliot and they've been on the same path and Elliot's very paranoid about him uh, and what he might represent. And he knows Elliot's secret in terms of the Terry Colby thing. So he's a big bad that's out there. And then Evil Corp in general, the, the faceless kind of nameless. There isn't maybe Terry Colby was at the beginning, but he's really not now because he's fallen. Like maybe Wellick is the face of this but we know that Wellick is not really Evil Corp. So Evil Corp is the third kind of big bad that's out there in Elliot's life. So through six episodes, because of what's happened with Vera and because of the time we've spent with Wellick, I think we have three very kind of antagonistic characters uh, or antagonistic elements to Elliot. And I think that's fascinating on most shows. You're probably only seeing one, maybe two, maybe like a mini boss or an under kind of ling. In this kind of case, after six episodes, we've got three very dark, very clear things that Elliot... uh, he's at odds with. And I think that that's a great thing for a show. Amassing quite a rogues gallery. Quite a rogues gallery indeed. And Vera is very much a a member of that rogues gallery, as you were indicating. Uh, And I guess the, the only other thing I would say, and this doesn't come from any kind of spoiler places, what's happening at the end of this episode, Josh, is that Vera has said, okay, Elliot, you, you know, you showed your face. They're going to know it was you. And then that's when Elliot indicates, that's why I'm letting everyone out. Well, what happens after he lets everyone out is Fernando Vera's brother, Isaac, is left for dead right outside the prison. Right. My guess is someone finds that body. One would right? think. And someone identifies that as Isaac Vera, as, as Fernando Vera's brother. And someone identifies the fact that Fernando Vera is out of prison. And so I think that it's possible that this points right back to Elliot and Anyway, never mind the fact that there might be fingerprints in that car that he was in. Like this whole scene is very messy and it is not, I don't think the clean out uh, that Elliot has indicated or, or believe that he was getting uh, that Isaac died. I don't think Elliot was planning for that. And when you leave the corpse there right outside the jail and no doubt going to be found, no doubt probably going to be identified unless he's burned his fingerprints off and removed all of his teeth. That's something uh, that the Veras tend to do. They do do that. Yeah. That is true. They change their names to something that they like the definition of. Right. Uh, what we should look up what Isaac means. Uh, well, better not. We better not go down the Urban Let's Dictionary at home. Yeah, we better not do that. So, at any rate, well, uh, I mean, I just, it is interesting actually. I mean, biblically, uh, Isaac is is the child of Abraham who's about to be sacrificed. Yes. And there is like the last minute reprieve. 
No last minute reprieve for this, Isaac. Well, no. And, you know, speaking of biblically and, and the Old Testament, Vera brings it up. He says, I'm Cain wandering the universe after Abel is dead. Right. Uh, and I'm going to be a fugitive and wander around the earth. Right. And that's what I'm going to do. And I'm fine. So the biblical stuff is there. That's the level that the show is kind of speci- specifically with Vera that it's trading on. He, he thinks in those kind of grandiose terms. Uh, but all those things are happening. And we've got Isaac Vera dead now outside the prison. And because of Elliot's choice of flight as you're pointing out the fight is over and he's choosing flight he leaves all that evidence behind josh and he has to run and shayla is also in the trunk i mean look shayla's body is right there Uh, if they identify her they can probably figure out where she lives they might start talking to her neighbors like this is not as clean of a thing as i think that we can expect it should be and i I just think that that's something important to put a pin in as we go forward all right fair enough all right we're going to keep talking about this episode from a spoiler filled context if you made it this far what's it got to be hashtag make watergate make watergate that's it i think that's fair <laughs> tweet that to antonio and Shoot, i I hope no one's ever used that that could be bad oh well we'll find out tweet that to antonio at ac mazzaro two z's one r i'm at round howard we'll be back soon with another episode of the mr robot podcast if you want to talk about the spoiler stuff stick around that's what antonio and i are about to do right now Here we are. We are in the spoiler section. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. All of the spoilers are happening right do, you have a good, do you have a good spoiler? No, I should have had one prepared. The thing still happened and everyone is still devastated by the thing. Oh, no. The Wicked Witch died. The Wicked Witch the died. The Wicked Witch does die. She died. That yes. was terrible. Yeah, okay. We're uh, good. They get, we're... But the Scarecrow gets a, like a diploma instead of a brain. Spoiler alert, it was all after. a dream, really, was, yeah. is what it comes down to. Used to read Word Up magazines. Yeah, salt and pepper and heavy D up in the limousine. All right, so let's talk about this. It's the, you know, it's this, it's we're still on the death of Shayla. We're still on the Fernando Vera thing. Um, I think the thing that's worth chewing on is that's the last sighting of Fernando Vera <laughs> yeah. this season. No consequences whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> But I think what's going to be interesting is how will it play out in the future? Because you have to imagine this comes back into play at some point, unless it's just this very cynical thing to really push Elliot into this really dark place where he is going to be closer and closer to realizing that the man that he is, that that the truth that is staring him right in the face, literally in that stairwell, is that he is Mr. Robot. If this is to get him into a headspace where he is closer to accepting that, but I got to imagine that Fernando Vera is going to be an active part of the show at some point moving forward. Yeah, and I mean, listen, I I brought it up in the non-spoiler section because I think this is a show with an unreliable narrator and with all of those things. We know, though, from a spoiler perspective, exactly how unreliable he is in that conversation he has with Mr. Robot. He says, you're a coward who can't face the truth even though it's staring you right in the face, and he's staring him right in the face when he says that. And they show his face. Uh, And then Elliot says, I, Elliot Alderson, am. And they cut to Mr. Robot and show him. And that is the level of uh, obviousness that this show plays with. I don't think that this twist is, I mean, it's hidden very much 
watch in plain sight. And I think by the end of the next episode, of course, we're going to know. Like we're going to we're going to have that get unlocked uh, as we see him looking through the photos, and we're going to see that by the end of episode seven. So we're very close. We're on the precipice. Is that the end of episode seven, or is that the end of episode eight? Oh, I think I thought that was the end of episode seven. Oh, maybe that is the end of episode eight. So episode seven is closing in on it. Episode seven is Tyrell on the roof. Right. Yeah. 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 So we're but we're closing in on it. Yes, we are closing in on it. And it's what is what is weird about this is like when I talked about all the consequences and Shayla's body and uh, Isaac's body and all of that, there's a knock on the door at the end of the season. And we don't know ultimately who that is. There are a couple of other candidates. There's the stuff with Flipper. Uh, there are things like that that come back into the story. But I think it's also possible that the knock is somehow related to the Vera of it all. Yeah. Uh, because there is evidence that would point to Shayla being dead. There are two bodies that are found there. One of them is Vera. One of them is Shayla. Even if they don't have Elliot on camera with Vera in the prison, even if that was covered up for some, you know, somehow, uh, they're going to have evidence that that points back to Shayla's apartment. So maybe that's just somebody canvassing about her death. But we are not done with this uh, this story, I don't think. No, I don't think so. But my question is, where do you think it goes? Like, how do we get Fernando Vera back onto the show? Where does where is that leading us toward? Whenever that comes up, we're going to be existing. You know, we're going to be dealing with an Elliot who exists alongside Mr. Robot, who knows that he is that guy as well. Is that a guy who is going to draw blood against Fernando Vera? Uh, I, I mean, that guy, Mr. Robot, told him to run away. Uh, so Mr. Robot isn't always the kind of guy who says, let's just be as violent as we can. Let's do the worst things that we can. So I don't, I don't know that, that we have a, a good idea on that. Uh, and I think it depends on how they bring him up again. If you ask me, I think the show is better with Vera out there in the universe just kind of dangling. He doesn't even have to come back in season two. That's the kind of thing that you can just have uh, waiting for you and waiting to kind of hit Elliot at the exact worst moment. Uh, that's when Vera's going to call him up and say, oh, bro, how are you? It's nice to talk to you. It's been a while, hasn't it? Uh, I hope the universe is treating you kindly, Elliot. Yeah. You know, like he could just call him up and menace him. Uh, and that's enough to really send Elliot into a skid. So there are ways you can use Vera that don't involve him coming into a direct confrontation with Elliot right away. Well, and that's the rogues gallery kind of angle. Right, right. I'm trying to think about, you know, at, by the end of the season, we're going to know that, you know, F society, we did it. Yata, you know, we erased, <laughs> we erased debt. There's no more debt. And this whole thing is going to happen. And E Corp is going to be in shambles and everything is, you know, is the savage traveler, is he going to be wandering the world and see that on a newscast and have a similar reaction as he had at the beginning of episode five, where it's like, I know you. That's you, Elliot. You're the one. Is he going to know that Elliot is the guy who took down E Corp and is he going to come back in that sort of way? Yeah, possible. I mean, it's entirely possible. And the other thing is, like, you just don't really know when Elliot is interacting with these people. Like, what is he representing? Like, we're kind of seeing things from Elliot's anchored perspective. So when things are messed up, when Elliot sees his mom abusing him, for example, we see that as an audience. When Elliot's having fever dreams or when he's having these withdrawal kind of hallucinations, we see that as an audience. So just because we've seen something, I, I, I think doesn't mean it's complete and it doesn't mean that's how it's always played out. And that's the part about this, this episode, the Elliot parts of this episode that are interesting to me is I'm not entirely convinced that this all went down exactly as it seemed. All right. So what? Yeah, because I'm I'm curious about that. 
How do you think it may have gone down? Well, I mean, I don't know that I, it's 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 something where if you went right from this episode into episode eight, I think we'd be talking about did it go down at all? Uh, but I think that knowing what we know about it, I think that it's possible that it's weird to me that Vera throughout the episode mentions he's going to hug Elliot, and then that doesn't happen. Why doesn't that happen? Like, why? What is the narrative reason for that? Can you think of a thematic or narrative reason for the way that that's written? Is that Vera is very much about he makes a promise more than once that he's going to hug him. Don't forget I'm going to hug you. And then he doesn't do it. And it makes me wonder, did that final scene play out the way that it it really played out? Did we see that happen the way it happened? Or or did it happen a different way? And maybe Elliot found Shayla's body and maybe all that happened and he went into such shock that he doesn't really remember how it played out. Keep in mind this is a guy who may have forgotten interactions he had with Wellick. He's definitely forgotten interactions that he's had with Darlene. He's forgotten Darlene's even his sister Josh. So, and I, I don't know where, why that's happening, but I think it's possible when you're talking about a guy who can do that, who can forget these things, uh, that maybe he's misremembering or the, the version we're getting of this isn't what happened. Cause it just doesn't jibe the, I'm a hug you, I'm a hug you, I'm a hug you. And then he never hugs him. And I can't think of a great reason that doesn't happen. Well, Fernando Vera's definition of hugging can be very different from yours and mine. <laughs> yeah. He put his arms around him in a very different way. Maybe he that's does, it. And he does put his arms around him and yeah. he makes him look at Isaac and that could be his definition of the hug and it could be a loving embrace from his vantage point because he didn't kill Elliot as well Um, so I don't know that the hug went completely unfulfilled I think that there is a read of that scene where that was Fernando Vera's version of a hug the other reason why it could have been left out is because whenever they do meet next some point in the future there will be a hug Uh, And it could be a great dramatic payoff to this moment. I think that there could be some sort of bloody hug in the future, perhaps. Uh, We'll see how that plays out. But I think that, you know, it's so easy to go down the robot hole uh, and, you know, start doubting every single thing that we see as potentially not real or more than it seems or less than it seems uh, or just playing out differently in reality than what we are being depicted because we are in Elliot's head for basically every single scene with Elliot. And I think that's one of the great joys of the show. But I think you got to be careful to not lose sight of some semblance of reality, too. And I think that in this moment, I guess they could go back and they could show us that this played out differently. But I feel like I don't know what the what the utility of that is. And I think that it's probably better if it's just straightforward. And Elliot did this very bad thing where he let Fernando Vera out of prison. He let, um, you know, he let this whole situation happen where all these other prisoners are out. I would I would expect that this is straightforward and what we are seeing is reality. There are some great instances on this show and in Elliot's story specifically where it's awesome that reality is not exactly what it seems to be but i think that this one it wouldn't play super well for me unless they had a really great reason to mess around with this one yeah i think what you're saying makes a lot of sense from kind of a quality standpoint you're right they have to kind of stay consistent with what they're doing from a quality standpoint you can't have uh, there's not a, a, a clear line drawn in the damon's episode i think that there's a clear line drawn and the line that's drawn right away is elliot gets shot so we know right away that this is not something that's actually happening right that this is more of a dream a dream or a vision we don't have that in this episode to indicate where there's a delineation between real and reality the interesting thing about 
about it to me, though. Uh, taking aside and, and, and as well taken all your points about what, why you have to have it anchored is that when we get to episode 10, we're talking about a lot that's happening that we're not even sure if it's really happening. Uh, we do know like the scene with the whole family outside the truck in Times Square and everything probably didn't happen. But how much of that, the rest of that episode is real or is not real? I think by the time we end this series, there's a real question about everything that happens in episode 10. And I think there's meant to be a real question about everything that happens in episode 10. I'm just wondering, because of the logic of it, because of the, because of the logic of not only like, oh, he's saying things that don't happen because of the logic of the fact that they're out there by that car for a really long time while the sirens are going off and they're just kind of standing there and the cops don't show up because of the logic of Elliot leaving a bunch of evidence that could possibly tie back to Elliot and us not seeing the other shoe dropping on that this season. It's possible that we're going to get that. We're going to revisit it. The cops are going to be knocking at the door, investigating the death of his neighbor. Uh, Or it's possible that this maybe didn't go down the way that we thought. I will be very interested. I'm only bringing it up to kind of do what I like to do, to plant a flag and say, I think this particular episode, specifically the the very specifics of this event, uh, will come back in one way, shape, or form, either because it will not have gone down the way we saw it go down, or because it went down exactly like this, and when you have have stuff go down exactly like this it's going to come back to elliot at some point yeah yeah i mean there's a, a lot of loose ends and a lot of fingerprints and there's literally be, yeah and there should be a lot of fingers pointing at elliot here and that hasn't been paid off on the show yet um so it would make a lot of sense for things to come back to this moment and i think that that would make me feel uh, better about its place in the show too. That you know, Elliot's actions here will have consequences in right. the future. I think that that's one of my problems with this episode is just that it feels like it feels like a sidebar, a very yes. important sidebar. Um, but I, I, if it can be made more important, I think I'm going to feel even better about it. It feels like a mini quest that he didn't beat the side boss. He didn't beat the mini boss. He didn't go on. He didn't complete what he was going to do. He lost. And honestly. I think he draws a little bit of a lesson from it. We, if we, if you point forward, uh, how kind of he wants to push the issue with White Rose, right. and how he's confident about kind of carrying this hack across the finish line. I don't think it's a pure fridge kind of situation where uh, where the fact that this happened is what changes him and pushes him to finish the rest of the season. We'll definitely talk about that in the spoiler section or in the non-spoiler section of next episode. Uh, we'll get into that more. We definitely want to make sure that we track that because I think we can't fully analyze that impact without talking at length about the episodes that are to come. But I think that that's part of it. I also think that Shayla evolves a little bit into... Uh, I forget what the trope name for it is, uh, but it's that uh, it's, it's Lenore. It's from Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, it's she evolves a little bit into the lost Lenore type trope because she is a love interest of a prominent character who goes. But the first scene of next episode, if I'm not mistaken, is their first meeting. Yes. And that's a gut punch. That is a gut punch because of how sweet Shayla is. And how she's kind of flirting with him, but wants to be his friend and all these things. And she, you could see that she would have been good for Elliot, but it's also, it's questionable why that is there other than a true audience gut punch. And we'll talk in next episode's podcast about the impact that these events may or may not have had on Elliot. 
I mean, we already talked about it, but just that scene with Mr. Robot in the stairwell and Elliot staring him in the face and him saying, You're, you, can, you can't even accept the truth when it's looking at you right in the face. Yes. It's a pretty great moment yeah. in, in retrospect. Like that, That's just great. But I think what's, what's also good about it is I think it's instructive. I think, you know, Mr. Robot showing up in the stairwell and having this conversation with Elliot right here, right in this moment, and saying exactly what he feels. Don't take on this fight. Run away from this fight. And Elliot still goes on with the fight. I think Elliot later on is going to wonder how much power and how much control do I really have. But in this moment, Elliot's fight instincts are greater than Mr. Robot's flight instincts. And yeah, I think, I think and that's so a great that, point. And so to see that Elliot has control over Mr. Robot, even if he doesn't know it yet, is really cool. Yeah, I think that's a really great point because in, in, in other times we've seen Mr. Robot come up and Elliot's kind of talked him down or he's been the voice of reason for Elliot or he's been there for him in a positive way when Elliot hasn't been. But just last episode with poor Bill, we saw Mr. Robot being like the negative voice, the the the, the alpha voice when Elliot was wanting to be very beta with Bill. Uh, we saw Mr. Robot pushing him in that direction. Here, Mr. Robot is telling him to be a coward, that true courage is to walk away to do to exercise the flight response and mr robot is not in fact the demon in this scene he is more angelic he's on a different shoulder of elliot in this scene and i think you're right i think it's very interesting to observe that that this is elliot's subconscious elliot's subconscious doesn't always steer him in the wrong direction yeah he's not a lost cause in that respect he doesn't always push him to do the worst thing or to do the most harmful thing it is also interesting because mr robot is a memory right this is elliot's sort of conjured version of his father and we're going to get into that as we get into episode nine specifically but um it is interesting that mr robot tells elliot the best thing that you can do for shayla is allow her to become a memory right uh, and it's the memories that elliot both has problems with but also uses to kind of guide him throughout situations so I think it's fascinating that his subconscious is like, treat her like me. Push her into the deep, dark recesses of your mind. Don't let this come up. Uh, we don't want to think about Shayla. Just write her off. Yeah, get, get rid of her. Get pictures with her. Just let her disappear. Being a memory isn't so bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm hanging. This is great. I like your stoop. I'm doing well. Like your stoop. Yeah. I enjoy your stairwell. Got a sweet jacket. Sweet jacket. It's, huh. it's pretty cool here. Could eat some popcorn whenever I want. <laughs> have a fountain drink on my own. Eat some. Uh, well, I got the last kind of. Uh, what did he? What did he buy? The last dogs or something? I yeah, forget. What he bought. The yeah, the Twinkies. The Twinkies. He bought the last <laughs> Twinkies. So yeah, he's having a good life as a memory. He's having a great life as a memory. And then obviously Terry Colby's going to come back into the mix pretty soon. Nothing. Yes. Nothing much to say there yet here, other than. Oh, boy, I'm already cringing at Mr. Terry Colby's request of Angela. In the I don't want to think about it. I really don't. But I will say this. Uh, you, do you I, know, are you all aware that Rob Sesternino does a Terry Colby impression? <laughs> I have not heard this. All right. Well, somebody ask him to do one at some point. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm, please, someone do that. Yeah, I want to hear the Terry Colby good. impression. It's pretty good. He does a good one. But what I would say is that it is weird. Two things. One, that he doesn't remember her at all. Like, that is odd. And the only reason that's odd 
is I think the greater explanation and the one we talked about already is the key is that this guy is such a putz and such a kind of an arrogant prick that he doesn't even remember this underling that he squashed at one point. Like that is the most likely explanation, right? It's also possible though, that that scene didn't necessarily go down as we saw. And I think those, uh, the, what do you call it? The truthers of, of Tyrell, the type when seeing Tyrell interact, for example, with Gideon in that scene, that's a very key moment for the non Tyrell truthers, the people that say Tyrell is real and not another manifestation of Elliot. If that season, if that scene didn't go down the way that we thought, who knows where that rabbit hole ends. The only other thing about Terry Colby, I would say is he's wearing a low Jack. Angela notices that, that he's on house arrest yet later. Doesn't he show up at her dad's house? Uh, much later. Well, two episodes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, toward the end of the season, he is going to he's going to show up there, and there must be some sort of deal that is struck at that point. Must be, must be. Although I don't know, it was interesting that she noticed the low jack. Is all I'll say. So you th- are you trying to tell me that Angela is a manifestation? Uh, this- no, 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 no. I'm not trying to tell you anything. Okay. I just I think that the show this episode opened. I have on to a very draw a line somewhere. <laughs> yes, Angela is Mr. Robot, Josh. Oh God, no, this Robot. episode opened on a very surreal painting. Uh, as we pulled back, I think a lot of things that happen on this show are surreal in nature. I think that it's possible that some of the things that we think and we took as confirmed to have happened on the show will not have happened the way that we thought. And I think that we will see that in season two. I think we're going to get some clarity on some of these things that went down the way we think they went that the way we think the things went down, they didn't go down that way. And maybe they'll only be after Elliot wakes up after the hack, but there's so much going on in the show that is uh, surreal in nature. And that is questionable that it happens. I just think it's interesting that she noticed that low Jack. It could be that she just recognized that this guy was probably pent up and he was in terror place and that he was on house arrest and all these people were bugging him and blah 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 but it's also well, I think weird she's also looking at that and being like can i use this i Maybe. want to turn him into an outsider can i free him of his house yeah i mean as a lawyer i'll tell you how house arrest works it would be very unlikely that he would be at her house and still be under house arrest it right. just doesn't usually play out that way so it's just something that raised my suspicion and interest a little bit from a logical standpoint like if he's under house arrest and he can't leave his house how does he go to her house yeah uh, and and if that's before the case is worked out because it is he strikes the whole deal that he strikes with her so that he can get his case worked out more properly yeah True. so if it's not worked out to that point i don't know there are other people in the room with him at that point maybe those are his lawyers maybe he's used them as kind of cover to kind of cover up this trip and so maybe that's part of it uh i don't know but well i'm just i'm only raising it now so that we remember to revisit it later when he does show up at the house anything else from this episode we should talk about from a spoiler filled context no, I, I mean, I really, I think that's it. I think that scene with Elliot and Mr. Robot is awesome. And I think that that, I think you really hit on the, the great, the really great thing about it, which is that Mr. Robot is not always the voice of anti-reason. Sometimes he's the voice of reason. Well, I think, you know, beyond that, I think it's just that Elliot is proven that he doesn't have to listen to Mr. Yes, Robot. Yes, and I think that's also very key, as you're saying. That's, I think that's the most important takeaway for me, is that Elliot does not always have to, you know, be under Mr. Robot's thumb. He has control too. And Mr. Robot has less control than maybe he, you know, puffs about. So I think that that's instructive. 
And that Mr. Robot in this, in this instance actually represented the, the flight response and right. not the fight response when in other instances he's been more of a fighter. Uh, and so I think that that's uh, – I think it's just really – anytime you take everything that Mr. Robot's doing as a representation of what's inside Elliot, I think it takes on obviously a much more fascinating, much more deep and intricate kind of level of analysis. And you're right. Elliot doesn't have to listen to Mr. Robot. Last time he didn't listen to Mr. Robot, he tried to kill himself. He, you know, he pushed himself off the pier because he was guilty or felt guilty about not honoring a sacred pact or whatever that was. He pushed back against Mr. Robot about the Steel Mountain thing, and they did it Elliot's way, and no one died. So there are times where Elliot has been kind of against Mr. Robot's wishes and done what he wanted to do, and it's worked. This is a very clear time where he's walked back in that room with a purpose, but not the purpose that Mr. Robot wanted, so he didn't listen to him. Fair enough. All right, next episode is called View Source. This is going to be the great Tyrell Wellick versus Sharon Knowles on a rooftop episode. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. So, again, like, we took a violent turn here with Brave Tra- Traveler, uh, and it's hard to hard to put the toothpaste back in the tube. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's squeezed out at this point. Oh, it's all over the place. It's terrible. Ugh, it's really yeah, bad. and it's, it's bad. Look at that toothpaste coming right out of that head, bro. Oh, it's real bad, bro. All right, we will be back next week talking about Episode 7 of Mr. Robot. We're back on track here on Robot Road. Hope you guys enjoyed our conversation about Brave Traveler. Subscribe to what we're doing on Poster Recaps. PosterRecaps.com slash iTunes is the way to do that. Or if you want to subscribe to everything we're doing on Poster Recaps, PosterRecaps.com slash iTunes. Antonio, anything else? No, that's it for me, man. Okay. Goodbye, friends. Goodbye, friends. Some velvet.